Welcome to Let's Talk, Ed and uh, Zahi. We are going to continue our conversations with our, our special guest, Eric Painter, who is a welding instructor. And Eric, in our last episode, we, we talked a lot about uh, the need for welding, a little bit about your story about being a non-traditional student. And uh, something that, that has come to mind to me is something I've talked about. I come from a, a liberal arts background and when I first started as a reporter, I, I felt that was something that really helped me because I had a, a well-rounded background in a lot of different things. And, and you're somebody that, that comes into welding with a lot of different perspectives as well through, uh, you know, different bodies of work that you've done, through different classes that you've done. So for for people that are entering welding, certainly there there is an entry point where you can go, you can learn basic welding and you can go to work. But talk about the importance, too, of of getting a good, well-rounded education and getting into welding. Yeah. The thing about welding is there's not a lot of people that are technically a welder. There's a lot of people that weld at their job. They're a fabricator. They're a mechanic. They're whatever they may be. Um, but they're, you know, Eve, an iron worker, I guess, is your your stereotypical welder. Right. Um, but even they need to know quite a lot. We start out talking about basic electricity and, and kind of the physics of how electricity works. Because at the end of the day, arc welding is utilizing essentially a high resistance short in the circuit to create our heat. If you don't understand how electricity works, it's very difficult for you to manipulate that electricity to do what you want it to do. Now, you can learn and memorize if I hold it right here, it does this. But if you don't know why it does that, you can't adjust to something else. Right. So a little bit of that sort of knowledge goes a long way. In fact, the electricians union here requires their students to take welding to finish their apprenticeship. Um, but it goes beyond that. I mean, obviously, math is big. Fractions, being able to understand how to lay something out. Uh, measurements. Drafting is huge. Uh, if you're at the bottom rung, somebody's going to come up and tell you, I need to weld these two pieces together. They need to be 90 degrees. I want it here. I want it cut here. They're going to mark it out for you. But you're going to only go so far. At some point, you need to be able to read a blueprint. Blueprint, And that means even those, even those big structural stereotypical welders, they have to be able to read and understand a blueprint. They need to be able to understand the processes that go through. They need to be able to read the engineer's instructions and understand preheat and what types of things that does. Uh, so there's a lot of metallurgy and engineering in that sort of stuff. Um, I think for a lot of people, though, drafting is probably one of the better skills they need uh, because, again, blueprints are everything. I have a friend, she, she pays starting, I think, seven bucks an hour more if you can read the blueprint, cut things to the right size and make it 90 degrees because she doesn't have to babysit you. If she can give you the drawing and say, make this railing and know that you can do that versus having somebody babysit you the whole time, you're worth a lot more to her. Um, and that's any shop, right? If you can, you can do the work without relying on somebody to tell you every step of the way. So I took a lot of drafting. I, that really interested me. And at the time when I went back to school, we still had a drafting program. So I took actual full normal, you know, mechanical drafting where you have the table, you have all your rulers, the whole nine yards. And then I went from there into um, we did some print reading and I did some uh, 3D modeling using SolidWorks, which is industry standard. Even even for welding shops, SolidWorks is what's used at the, the top ag fabrication shops here where I work. Um, and so being able to understand that. And there's easy gateways into that. There's 3D printing, right? Do you want to make cosplay comic book stuff? I've got a lot of that in the room here. You can't see it in the shot, but I do a lot of that. But that's how I learned 3D modeling and got into that. And I was able to take those skills 
into kind of the engineering side, into the SolidWorks, and be able to use a CNC. If you know how a 3D printer works, you know how a CNC laser works. You know how a CNC router works. It's a very, very easy jump from hobby skills into professional skills because at the end of the day, you're sending G code to a computer and it's working that. And it doesn't matter what it is past that. Um, so I think there's there's some easy, fun ways to get into that. But those types of skills pay dividends. Welders often work as mechanics. They work as fabricators. They work as artists. Um, welding is a skill. It's not necessarily an end job in and of itself. And so you can find ways to utilize welding with whatever your other interests are, whatever you're going. It, it'll help a lot of careers being able to know how to weld and to make stuff. Um, and so I think being well-rounded is is um, it's it's an advantage in that you find all the other ways you can use those skills and that all of those skills you bring to the table make you better as an employee, not just a welder, right? Does that, that make sense? It does. Mm -hmm. Speaking of employees, uh, it, I may have it as a misconception, but, but I worry that somebody whose sole focus is on laying beads all day long is somebody who's rather easily replaced by a younger person who can lay beats faster and in more awkward situations yeah. or potentially automation be a victim of automation yep. am i wrong no, I, I agree and okay no no you're completely right we we did a thing for the manufacturing department they, they they spent i don't know they used ohio state or some some other school like that don't don't come at me for ohio state here that's just who they paid um they uh they did a big study where they talked to our industries locally about what types of things they were looking for, what types of skills they were looking for. And the first, like, we have these huge whiteboard, poster board things filled with lists of things they wanted. The first, like, two of those were soft skills. It was about being able to be on time, be a good employee, and pass a drug test. Be a nice person, have a sense of humor, well, work well with others, right? Those are the skills they're looking for. Every welder in the world thinks he can teach you to be a great welder. He's not looking to hire a great welder. He's looking, or she, is looking to hire a great employee. And that is the sum of your parts that you bring to it. It's not just can you lay a bead. Uh, the teacher I work for, Mr. Davis, he says, you know, when times are tough and you lay off, you don't lay off the best employee. You lay off the hotshot welder that's a jerk that nobody wants to be around. Right? He's costing you the most money, and he's the least useful the rest of the time. Right? Those soft skills, those social skills... They're hard for me. I'm a little autistic. I, I don't I struggle with that. That's a hard work for me. But I think I'm there. I'm there good enough that Zahi didn't fire me. Um, so uh, I did fine. But they're really, really important. And I think a lot of people overlook those skills when they're trying. And it doesn't matter what job you're looking for. It doesn't. Those skills are important. That lesson's important in probably every industry on the planet. Um, so how do you show up, work hard, be nice? Well, absolutely. Chris, you That's might it. want to learn something here. I'm kidding. Oh. <laughs> uh, but uh, so how do you take those uh, employability skills, add them to general knowledge, add them to math knowledge, add them to being able to think in three dimensions? Because it's not a given that everybody no. can do that. And add them to some savviness. Right. When you're making decisions uh, on things like waste or things of what piece of equipment to purchase and whatnot, that requires savvy, not just, uh, you know, you like uh, red or blue or, or orange or yellow color or whatever it is. Uh, how, how do you combine those 
and how do you help students see the light that this is very important, especially the non-traditional students who are, who are, who've learned certain skills and unlearning can be hard? Yeah, I think I think first of all, you try to set the good example yourself right up front. I think that's that's the first step for anybody. Uh, I think a big part of it is to hopefully get them some experience with employers to come in and tell them these things. Because as a teacher, you can say it all day long and it doesn't mean anything. But if an employer walks in and says, this is what I want, all of a sudden it changes. Like, oh, that's important. I didn't know. It's like, well, I've been talking for two years. I mean, you know, um, I think that's a big part of it is to be able to bring those people in and say, hey, these are what we're actually looking for. Um, I think for non-traditional students, it's good to show them other people that have done it. Whether it's individuals you can bring in to talk to the class or whether it's a YouTube video of somebody that's changed their life and turned things around and picked a new career and gone off with that. You know, making, making in general is big. It's easy to find makers on YouTube. It's easy to find makers that quit their nine to five grind. You know, 40 years old, they were whatever, an accountant, a tree surgeon, whatever it may be, um, you know, and they decided they wanted to do something different. Try to experience that. Work that in. It doesn't all have to be technical learning in a class, right? You can you can get away from that. You can try to expose them to the larger world about what's happening and show them how that stuff is relevant within the industry itself. I think we get really caught up on numbers in any college, any class, any education, any teacher is looking for test questions to ask, right? What are what are the top five things that I can ask a question on? That's what's going to be important in this lecture. But I don't think that's the most important thing in education. I think there needs to be a lot of mentorship um, involved. And I think that's, I don't know, it sounds really like bragging, I guess, but I think that's where I'm better. I'm not the best traditional teacher, the most organized, the best lesson plan ahead of time. But I think I make a good mentor. I think I do a good job of showing them I care where they get to. Um, and I think I, I try to do a good job of making sure that the students get the right path. Sometimes that's college with us. Sometimes that's a union. Sometimes that's into the job force as soon as you get what you can get for them. Every student is different. Um, and I think you have to try to make that connection with them. And then from there, you can, you can go on. You know, that connection can be really shallow. It can be sports, right? It can be cars. It can be whatever. Um, I have a student in class this semester. I met him the first time this morning. He's dropped out of college twice already, right? But he's big into music. So we talked about heavy metal, right? Because that's, that's, that's the connection for me to hear. That's what gets me through the door. And from there, I can hopefully expand that and keep them in class and, and go from there. But without that connection and without uh, trying to understand the person, that's hard. And that's difficult to do, I understand, in a lot of college classes where you might have 200 people sitting in an auditorium. You can't. Uh, I'm blessed that I teach welding and I have 15 to 25. And those connections are possible. But I think good examples, good mentorship, and, and just trying to bring in employees that bring the same message in, I think, is the easiest way. Um, I don't know. Well, Eric, Eric, I'd like to uh, thank you for joining us on this edition of Let's Talk Ed. I think uh, we'd like to have you back for another episode as well. And uh, if you enjoy programs like this, you can subscribe to us right here on YouTube. Ring that bell down below. You'll get notified when we post new content. And, of course, you can find Let's Talk Ed on all of your favorite podcasting platforms as well. So for our special guest, Eric Painter and Dr. Zaki Atala, I'm Chris Ford. We'll see you next time right here on Let's Talk Ed.